You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now step into the arena of ideas with your host, Dr. Brian Shelton. Coming to you live from the Northwestern Mountains of North Carolina and the Northwestern Mountains of Montana, Big Sky Country. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Brian Shelton and I am joined by the ever so faithful cowboy apologist Curtis Evelo, who is climbing out of his igloo because it is extremely cold in montana (laughs) yes it's getting cold and gonna get colder yep so so what's the temperature right now uh it's two degrees um wind chill with the wind chill it's minus four right now but uh uh what did it look like uh uh looks like we're gonna be minus 20 oh my god yeah, we're gonna be minus twenty-seven, minus thirty. Yeah, minus twenty-seven, minus twenty-one. Yeah, we'll be all right. That just hurts my feelings. I just that's 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 what I yeah that's without the wind chill. So yeah, man alive, it'll get entertaining. That, that hurts me for you. I, I just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are expecting yeah, uh, we, early part of this week. We had some rough storms coming down, and but they are expecting more storms coming down our way here in North Carolina, uh, to actually tomorrow night. And then I think next week is supposed to be, we take the polar plunge, I believe, from what uh, uh, from what the weather app showing. But, you know, the interesting thing is, I think AI glitched in their long-range forecast, Curtis, <laughs> because it showed on uh, weather app just today that in North Carolina, February 2nd, I believe, is Groundhog Day. They're calling for a temperature of 101 with snow showers. <laughs> so <laughs> Groundhog Day in North Carolina. <laughs> Groundhog Day in North Carolina. The law of physics is going to be suspended while we have 101 day 108 degree temperatures and snowfall. So that obviously a big major glitch in uh, the forecast somewhere somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we hold the uh... I know we we have a record um, for the the fastest change, fastest hundred degree change um, in the, I think it's in the state or maybe even world, uh, the nation. Um, yeah, it was like hundred degrees from one from one one end to the other. So, like for example, I don't remember what it was. We'd have to go look at it, but it you know for example, it would have been like um, you know sixty degrees. At uh, at say noon, and by by six o'clock that night, it was forty below. Good gracious! So um, yeah, so I don't. I'm just that was an example, but it was something like that. But it was it was, uh, it was an incredible, uh, <laughs> incredible, <laughs> incredible flip flop there. Woo. Sounds yeah. like it. Well, I'm going to uh, share my screen here for those of you who are watching live on Facebook and or YouTube. Uh, you can you can catch if you're listening to the radio apps or podcasting apps, you can find these live um, these live shows. If you want to see the pictures, if you want to see us uh, as we are as we're doing as we're hosting this podcast, you can find us at youtube.com forward slash. Uh, Bellator Christie, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash Dr. Brian Chilton, Dr. Brian Chilton, and find these videos there as well. Now, personally, you know, this past this past week, I actually had a chance to meet uh, an old school radio DJ, and I don't know about anyone else, but I've always enjoyed oh. radio, and uh, there's just something about, even with a football game, I mean, it's nice watching it on television, but there's something about listening to the radio announcers. They just have a little mm-hmm. extra gusto whenever they announce uh, yep. the uh, football games or, or baseball, whatever the case may be, but... Yep. To, but tonight we're talking about Galatians yeah. chapter two. That's probably my favorite. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say that's my favorite thing to do is to work in the shop and listen to the football games. So, like, um, our our state football team or local football team, college football team, uh, just got done getting really whomped by the uh, North yeah. Dakota Jackrabbits, <laughs> <laughs> which which was a which was an incredible game, but um, they really. Um, Anyway, to hear it on the radio, those guys really, they know their stuff. They know the players, but they know the plays. And to hear it, they bring such a different intensity than the TV, than watching it or whatever. It's all probably one of my favorite things to do, just because I used to listen to, um, when I was on the road with my dad in the semi-truck, we would listen to stories, you know, book book stories on tape. We'd listen to, you know, um, they, they had radio programs that would come on. It was kind of like, um, kind of like the Twilight Zone, but it wasn't. It was a, like a radio program. Oh, I bet it was uh, called there Suspense. There was a lot of that. And then, you know, maybe. I don't remember. Because my dad, he showed me on YouTube, uh, they actually have uh, some old radio shows you can listen to and um and they have one called is by cbs net uh, broadcasting network the radio broadcasting network they had a show called suspense and like you said it's very comparable to twilight zone and it was very suspenseful there's always a twist uh something you know toward the end and a very very fascinating show it'll have you on the edge of your seat yeah and just hearing the radio part of it, it lets your mind kind of, you know, build its own narrative. So it's always, it's, I don't know, it was always fun. I, I just know that there were some radio programs that we listened to that were like, if dad could catch them, they were like old replays of some of the old shows, like really old stuff. And so it was really fun to listen to. Absolutely. So let's let's hop on in this. We've got Galatians uh, chapter two today as we're continuing our winter Bible study. Uh, we're going to call this tonight Paul the Freedom Fighter uh, because in chapter one we see that Paul is being opposed by a group of legalistic Christians known as the Judaizers. And understand, listen, this isn't speaking against anyone who's Jewish, because Paul was Jewish, uh, Peter was Jewish, Jesus was Jewish, but there was a group of early Christians who, it was difficult for them to make that transition to thinking about salvation being a matter of grace, God's grace alone, as opposed to different religious responsibilities pertaining to uh, sacrifices made, um, things being given, you know, the different festivals that had been celebrated uh, throughout the years. It was difficult to separate themselves from that. That's why, in my opinion, one of the biggest evidences for the resurrection of Jesus is the fact that they that Christians move the day of worship from Saturday, which is Sabbath, to Sunday morning. I mean, the reason they did that was to, to, to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus since it did happen on a Sunday morning. And that's just groundbreaking, you know, quite honestly, that they would do that. So Paul, he's accompanied by Barnabas and Titus, visited Jerusalem for a second time 14 years after his first visit. Okay, so this, this happens 14 years after the first visit. He brings Titus, a Gentile individual who was saved by the grace of Christ, uh, and he's bringing them into full fellowship in the church. But there are some people who are saying, wait a minute, Titus, Timothy, these other guys who are, who are Greek, they've got to be circumcised. They've got to have all these rituals we've done in the past to be able to can be considered in full fellowship. And so what we see here is something that always tends to happen even today in the church where we try to complicate the grace of God. We try to complicate salvation to say it's Christ plus this certain activity or Christ plus this other activity. You know, to be a Christian, you've got to be you got to have the grace of Christ, but then you got to do XYZ to be part of our fellowship. Paul is making the case 
as he says in, in Ephesians. For it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's in Ephesians. But this is a, you see the same gist throughout the book of Galatians. So Paul is going to, he's speaking, or actually he's defending his authority as an apostle. In so doing, he's not trying to defend himself for his own vain glory. He's trying to defend his apostolic ministry because in so doing, he's also defending the message of grace that he is delivering to the Galatians and that he's been delivering to the churches in and around Galatia and Asia Minor. So it's not about Paul defending himself as much as it is him defending his authority to present the message of grace as he is. So he's not only defending that message, but he's also defending all of these individuals who have come to faith under his tutelage, under his ministry, and saying and defending the fact that they should be welcomed as full members without having to be circumcised, without having to go through all of these different rituals and, and different innuendo that was, that, were, that was being forced upon them. So that's really the gist of, of what he's doing. And in this chapter, he's going to defend his apostolic authority in two different ways. In verses 1 through 10, he's going to defend his apostolic authority by the endorsement given to him by the early church leaders. So he's going to talk a lot about how he went to Jerusalem, how he was endorsed by the three pillars, Peter, James, and John. James here is not James that we see in the Gospels, but it's James, the brother of Jesus. So apparently, after James, the brother of John, died, he was the first uh, apostle who was executed, James, the brother of Jesus, must have taken his place in that position. So James, uh, Peter, James, and John, these are the three big pillars of the church at that time. So he's going to talk about the reason for the endorsement, the results that came after that endorsement, and then he's going to talk about, he's going to defend his authority by the exercise of this authority, even calling out a very prominent apostle, one of these three big pillars, for acting in a way that was not conducive for Christian behavior, showing favoritism for one group over the other. And then we'll see here the need for Paul's rebuke, and we'll see the nature of Paul's rebuke as we go through uh, this section tonight. So good stuff, and I, I hope you fully engaged with us tonight. Pull up your Bible. Listen, it's cold outside. Get a fire going, get a warm hot cup of coffee and a warm blanket, sit back and listen as we go through the Word of God. He's got his coffee. You know what? I got my tea. I, it's not hot tea, but we'll go with it. <laughs> so, so let's first look at this section where he talks about uh, fighting, uh, freedom fighting by the endorsement of apostolic authority. He's going to give the reason for this endorsement and the results of this endorsement. So let's first of all take a look at the reason for this endorsement in verses 1 and 2 of Galatians 2. And, and uh, Curtis, would you mind reading that for us? Sure. Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders. I wanted to be sure I was not running, <clears throat> and had not been running, in vain. Hmm. Got a little popping sound for some reason. I'm not sure what's going on there. So, so Peter, oh, excuse me, Paul is talking about going back to Jerusalem. So 14 years have elapsed. So remember, it was three years after Christ was uh, crucified, buried, resurrected, that uh, Peter came to faith. So it'd be 35 AD. So 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, about 49 uh, AD is what we're talking about. 48, 49, give or take a year. And quite honestly, in, in this ancient time, it may be that uh, they could have counted half years as a full year. So it may have been, it may have been around forty-eight, forty-seven. 
somewhere along there. And if you remember, last week we talked about a good case that's made that this that this book was written around 14, about 48, 49, somewhere along in that area. So that would put that being around about. So the 14, 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem, and we see here he brings Barnabas. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about Barnabas here. Barnabas <clears throat> is a Levite. That means he would have had a very deep, very... Um, rich education because the Levites were part of the priesthood. That also means that Barnabas would probably have been a little more on the wealthy side. Not going to say that he was complete, you know, like a, the Bill Gates of his time, but he would have been better than most. But Barnabas was very much in the word, very studious. Like Paul, Barnabas would be considered a scholar, most likely, in his day and time. Now, Barnabas is a nickname. His, his, his name is actually Joseph, but Bar-Nabas means the son of encouragement. It means Barnabas was an encourager. In fact, let's just shoot straight from the hip here. If it weren't for Barnabas, Paul would not have had the ministry that he did because Barnabas went to bat for Paul. Uh, whenever Paul first came to faith. So Paul and Barnabas, they're going to bat for Titus, uh, you know, for Titus. And Titus uh, is, a, is most likely a Greek individual. Um, let's see, he's, he's most likely a Greek individual who came to faith. He was a convert under Paul. You can see this in um, Titus 1.4, who became an effective minister. He was a very effective minister. He was Greek and so because of that, he would not have been, he'd not have grown up Jewish. Uh, some people think that maybe he was a little bit half Jewish, perhaps. Maybe he had some Jewish ancestry. That may or may not be the case. Um, but nonetheless, let's just say he's a Gentile, and that's what he was. So, um, so here we see Paul coming back, and he went up again according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preached to the Gentiles. Uh, this revelation, we're not told exactly what that revelation is. Maybe it was something by the Spirit uh, telling him. Maybe he's talking about the revelation that was given to him by God about the gospel. Whatever the case was, he presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles. So he's going before the three pillars of the church, Peter, James, John. These guys knew Jesus well. They knew the gospel message well. So he uh, told them privately to those recognized as leaders. And he said, you know, here again, he, he assures them that he's not running, uh, had not been running in vain. And he wanted to make sure that his message, the message that he was proclaiming was the same message they had heard from Jesus, and they confirmed that it was. Now, friends, I think, in a sense, there's a form of the miraculous here, and I think that verifies the fact that G that Peter, um, excuse me, Paul indeed saw Jesus on the road to Damascus because Paul was not a follower of Jesus, uh, but yet he's preaching the same message that these disciples were after spending three and a half years with Jesus. That's remarkable. Uh, I want to share a real quick story with you. Whenever I was at Gardner-Webb University doing my undergrad, there was a guy there uh, who was, had been a missionary, and uh, he went to a, a land uh, that was an atheistic land, and he says whenever the doors of opportunity open in, in these areas, you've got to strike while the iron's hot. Well, he went there. He found a community. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a pastor. But there was a community of believers that knew the gospel, preached the gospel, had come together, had services, knew hymns, but there had not been a missionary there. They didn't have a pastor there. So they're asking themselves, how in the world did this happen? Well, even though the government of that nation could not uh, had closed the doors on missionaries, they couldn't close the door on radio waves. We were talking about radio a while ago. What happened is that there was a Christian network in Italy that was broadcasting out and was picked up by a group of individuals in this 
atheistic nation. And lo and behold, they heard the gospel, they came to faith, and they were preaching the same gospel that these missionaries were delivering. It's much like you see individuals who stand against Christ. They have visions of Jesus. They receive Christ, and they begin preaching the same gospel that we promote. Now, they may not have every theological doctrine pinned down, but they have the core essentials of the faith. And you know what? That shows the commonality we have serving the Savior we do and and promoting the same message, the message of grace and the message of salvation. So it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting that, that Paul does confirm uh, his, his ministry, his message is confirmed by the early church leaders, Peter, James, and John. So we see not only the reason for their endorsement, and it was to confer with the Christian leaders there concerning Paul's ministry to the Gentiles, but we see the results of this endorsement. And we see this in verses 3 through 10. But first of all, we see in verses 4 and 5 that, uh, or actually 3, 4, and 5, I should say, uh, that um, there were individuals who tried to, un- unsuccessfully at that, Tried to, to tried to attempt to push their legalism upon Paul and the others. They were even spying on the ministry of Paul. So let's take a look at verses three through five. Sure. So it goes on to say, but not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because of some false brothers who had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment. Not even a moment, he says, so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. So here we find false brothers, uh, Suda del Foy, uh, Suda meaning false, Delphoi meaning meaning brothers. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, you know, is the city of uh, Delph- You know, the city of brotherly loves. Here, here you see uh, that there are these brothers who are false. They're not genuine brothers. He said. Uh, in other words, they some of these individuals weren't really even Christians because they were trying to enforce something on the Christian message that was not there and that's why it's important to to focus on the truth of the gospel um and notice he said they had infiltrated our ranks they spied on their freedom in other words they were nitpicking trying to find something against paul to to uh to to pin him on it They, they were trying to find some way of uh, desecrating the the ministry of Paul and um, and and really causing problems. And in fact, some people believe that this may have even been what was behind the separation between Mark, John, Mark, and Paul uh, later on. Um, but but he said these were false brothers. They had infiltrated our ranks, spied on the freedom, in order to enslave us. Now Paul talks about in other passages of Scripture. And even, in fact, even Jesus' messages, he talks about this, that so many times we want to, we lay down the yoke to follow Jesus. Uh, the, the yoke we follow, we take up with Jesus is light, uh, meaning that we don't have to have all these rules and regulations to follow. That doesn't mean that we live any way we please, uh, being filled, in, and Paul's going to talk about that in Galatians, there's there's a way of following the spirit as opposed to following the flesh. You know, we want to follow the spirit, and that's going to bring about certain fruit uh, by following the spirit of God. But at the same time, we we can't shackle ourselves with all these rules and regulations. I think one of the reasons why we like doing that as people is because it makes us feel like we're in control of our salvation. But when you talk about the grace of God, you're talking about trusting God 
with our eternal soul. That means you got to trust God. you got to trust someone outside yourself. Now, as I said in the Bible study I, I officiated this past week, I'm not the most trusting of people. You know, it's difficult. I've got trust issues. I'm just going to be honest with you. I would rather, if something's got to be done, I would rather just go ahead and do it myself because I know it'll get done if I do it myself. I don't want to have to depend on someone else to do it. And that sometimes that's to my detriment. Most times that's to my detriment. (laughs) Yeah. But when it comes to salvation, we have to fully trust that God is going to live up to his word because we're trusting in his grace and his salvation. But he goes on in verse 5, says, We did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment. And why? The reason was so that the gospel would be preserved and presented and continued, not by adding all these rules and regulations, but by promoting the gospel message. Why is it that we want to add so much on to the simple message of Christ? It's amazing to me. I mean, the message of salvation is so easy, but we always muddy the waters. We seem like we complicate things when we add all these different things. I mean, I don't know why we do that. Maybe it's a control issue. I really don't know. I would I would have to say that uh, it's just human nature. Something can't be that simple. Something can't be that free. Something can't be that, that good, um, you know, without having us do something to to do it i just think that it's um uh i don't know it's it's hard to explain but there's it's something to do with with human nature and being something being free and i think that's a valid point because you know whenever you think about Anyone who says something's free anymore, you think, well, what's, what strings are attached to that? What's uh, the catch? Yeah. What's the, what's yeah. the catch? Yeah. What's the catch? It, you know, I even heard, I even spoke to someone one time before who said, um, and this is a person who'd been a Christian for many years, who said, it almost seems too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes maybe we do. You know, I'll be honest, I've asked that question before. Because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking up, you know, as an amateur astronomer, I look up at the night sky and see this universe as huge as it is and think to myself, could God really, that the, God that big really care about us as much as he does? I mean, who are we in comparison to the billions and billions of galaxies out there? The math suggests that the universe is some 250 times bigger than what we can even see, and yet God is even bigger than that, and yet he loves us. That's just incomprehensible sometimes to my mind. Yeah, especially when uh, when you get into the scriptures and in, the, in Job, he asked Job, you know, where were you when I formed the stars where were you when i formed uh, the galaxies that you know where were you and it's like <laughs> wow this, yeah. this this god we serve is huge beyond our even even our imagination and it's, so there's so there's this we can't even wrap our heads around you know the, the distance from one end of the country to the other to the other the time frame that that takes, and and God still holds all of that in His hand. It's amazing. Beyond, I don't even know the word for it. Beyond comprehension, I guess you'd say. Mm. Absolutely beyond comprehension. Getting a call from somebody. I don't know who that is, so I'm just going to mute that <laughs> right here on the podcast. How about that? <laughs> so. So we see the result of their endorsement. Uh, there's the entrapment by the legalists, but there's also the endorsement by the leaders in verses 6 through 10. And we're going to see that uh, the leaders have a response to Paul's message. So uh, let's, let's read verses 6 through 10 uh, at this time. Sure. So verse 6, Now from those recognized as important... What they once were makes no difference to me. 
God does not show favoritism. Powerful. They added nothing to me. Yeah, they added <laughs> nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. Since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Now, as we read Paul here, it almost sounds like he's being a little snarky toward Peter's, Peter, James, and John, and, and he's really not, yes, because he has a great deal of respect for them. Um, so, But one thing we've got to remember back in verse 3 is the leaders agreed with Paul that Titus should, should not be circumcised, and this may even reference the Council of Jerusalem that happened around 48-49 AD as well. But notice in verses 6 through 10, the leaders accepted Paul as a co-worker. He was accepted by the three pillars of the church, Peter, James, and John. Remember, James, the brother of John, who we read about in the Gospels, he was executed by the sword fairly early on. So it would appear that James, the brother of Jesus, who was the pastor, the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and really stayed there till he was executed himself. I think he was thrown off the temple and beaten with clubs uh, by the authorities. They tried boiling him in oil. Uh, yeah, that was John. I think they tried to boil John in oil. Oh, John, uh, but it didn't. They didn't succeed. In oil. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but he's accepted by the three pillars of the church. And we read here uh, what they once were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. Now, that kind of sounds snarky a little bit. But understand what's going on. There's some people in this time, and we learn this in 1 Corinthians, some people will say, well, I That's follow right. Peter, or I follow James, I follow John, or I follow this other person. We, as you talk about human nature, we as people have the tendency to kind of want to fanboy certain, certain leaders. Tri tribalism. Tribalism, that's an excellent word for it, Curtis. We, yeah. we have these people uh, and we want to follow after them. and They become our heroes. Mm -hmm. well, well, think about this. I mean, it's understandable because if you're a second-generation Christian, you never met Jesus face-to-face, -face, but you know he's risen. And, but yet, he, here you mm -hmm. have these individuals that walked and talked with them for three and a half years. James, who walked with them since he was a little baby boy in diapers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he knew Jesus yeah. a long time and eventually came to follow him after the resurrection. Uh, so can you imagine being a Christian living in this time and having resources available to you with actual eyewitnesses of Jesus who were appointed by Jesus as the chief leaders of the church, uh, it would be very easy for someone to get in the tendency of saying, well, I'm just going to listen to those guys, you know. Mm -hmm. But Paul is saying here, and it's a very important point for us to remember even today, God does not show favoritism. He doesn't show favoritism. And so that's very important. Every one of us has a calling so, for instance, let, let me just throw this out here. God called me to go get advanced degrees. Um, I I started teaching. In fact, tonight was the first night before the podcast. I had a chance to meet with the first class I'm teaching online. And I want to tell you already, I can tell you, I, I get the sense that, that this is what God's wanting me to do. Uh, what happens Moving forward, I don't know, but but I, I just just being able to minister to this wonderful class of, of students and just to try to pour out what little bit of insight God has given me and and doing this on the podcast as we are and with a website, writing books, doing podcasts, you know, 
that that's what I feel my calling is. Um, call, uh, Curtis, you felt called very early on to do podcasting, and we've been podcasting together for many years. So we all have, and you're a leader in your church, we all have different callings. But understand this, having a degree or not having a degree, being able to lift 500 pounds or only being able to lift 5 pounds, having an IQ of 200 or having an IQ of 70, God shows no favoritism. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. Because he loves us all. Right. I, I kind of also think that this also comes from the heart of, in, in Paul's writings, he also talks about all of the things that he had accomplished mean nothing to him. They, they're rubbish. They're, well, in fact, it's actually worse than that. He goes on to say that they're, 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 they're waste in the fact that just having the relationship, understanding the grace of God. So all of those things that who Paul is, being a Roman, being a Pharisee, being the Pharisee of Pharisees, being you know being taught under the the highest people and having all these you could say degrees, I guess you could say degrees or 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 check marks under his name. He says this means nothing to me, and I think that's kind of where this. This same thing in Galatians is kind of coming from, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's all about it's all about calling. It's all about what God desires for each person to do. But that doesn't and shouldn't elevate one person over the other. So you see this. So you had a calling card with these three guys who are who consider three pillars of the church: Peter, James, and John. Um, they were very important, and that's not to discredit them. And Paul is not discrediting them because he recognizes and realizes the great importance that they have. He recognizes and appreciates the things he's been through in life, the 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 uh, um, the things that he's been through to bring him to where he is now. But he reminds his readers, reminds his his uh, um, church members that God shows no favoritism because he goes on to say they added nothing to me. And by that, by that, he's not saying that they weren't important. They didn't do anything for me. No, what he's saying is they added nothing to the message I was bringing. Right. Because I'm bringing the same right. message that they heard and are bringing to you is the one and same message. And in fact, he goes on to say in verse 7, on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised. Now, so here, let's back up a minute, going back to the conversation we just had. We all are saved by the grace of God, filled with the same Spirit, but we have different callings. We have different gifts and abilities, and it doesn't make one person better than the other. another person. Uh, so, you know... I have family members that were great at sports, could hit a baseball miles from a baseball field. Now me, I was good in the weight room. You know, I was good at throwing throwing yeah. metal plates around. But as far as doing some of the things they could do, I mean, I was envious. I mean, I had one cousin who had a chance who could have played major league baseball. He was that good. Uh, he, he could have very easily played Major League Baseball if he was given the right opportunities. Um, but and I was envious of that because I thought, my gosh, these guys can do anything. And athletically speaking, they probably can. I mean, they're just that gifted. But here again, understand, we all have different callings. We all have different abilities. We try to pit people against each other but with God, God doesn't see us like that. God sees us as part of a bigger picture, using our gifts and abilities for a much larger purpose. It's not about us. It's about Him and His kingdom and what He wants us to do as a, as a collaborative unit, not as just individuals. So he goes on to say that he had been... Uh, you kind of wonder... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you kind of wonder if, you know, 
Paul goes on to say, you know, by, by the grace of God, basically by the grace of God go I. You know, that's kind of what he says. But he also, he also uh, comes and says, you know, when... When the um, when it comes down to making a choice, you know, between um, doing doing the 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 natural desire of our hearts, which is you know to always try to please and and to do these things, he says in here, you know, I've made these I made these efforts to take care of you know take care of the poor, to remember the poor, to remember. Um, you know, take care of the widows and and so on and so forth. You know, but he also says it's by the grace of God. No matter what status you are in culture, what status you are in society, um, we all fall under under that grace. Because at the end of the day, we can't save ourselves. You know, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, powerful or or weak. Uh, intelligent or not, uh, rich or poor, black or white, whatever distinguishing mark we want to use for ourselves, all of us, none of us, I should say, none of us can save ourselves. It's all but by the grace of God that we are saved. That means that we have to depend on God and not on ourselves, mm. and that is a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and what you know, you think about it. Um, <laughs> you got the you you got the uh, uh, scripture everybody likes to likes to use, um, and it's basically, you know, through all things, you know, through all things, I can do all things through Christ. You know, and it's like, yep. We can we can take that scripture out of context by just saying well, I can do all things through Christ. Yeah, I can do it, but no, no. You go back and look at what he says. He's talking about the grace of God in in famine. He was blessed in riches. He was blessed in all of these things. He's talking about in, in persecution and in and in and in abundance. All of these, he 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 says all of this I can do all things through Christ. Amen. And so we go here, we see that James Cephas, this is an Aramaic uh, title for Peter, an Aramaic name for Peter, meaning that this happened very early. Another good reason to believe that this was an earlier book uh, written in the 40s AD. John recognizes pillars, but notice what happened. They gave them the right hand of fellowship, both to him and Barnabas, agreeing that they should go to the Gentiles and that they would focus on the circumcised. Now, you have to kind of wait, you know, you have to kind of almost wonder, though, was that Jesus' intention for Peter to only stay with the circumcised, only to stay with the Jewish people because, you know, he wanted him to be the rock upon which he built a church. It, it It makes you wonder what's going on there with Peter, but... As we're going to see, there was something something taking place. Uh, but they only asked that we would remember the poor, which he made effort to every effort to do. So he, now here again, so he's talked about the first part, uh, the, the fighting uh, for his apostolic authority by the endorsement of the church. But now he's going to talk about an exercise of this apostolic authority. And this is an encounter that happens between he and Peter, uh, so we're going to see the need for Paul's rebuke against Peter and the nature of the rebuke. So let's first of all look at verses 11, uh, back it up here, 11 through 13. 11 through 13. So uh, verse 11 says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, to his face, <laughs> because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, however, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. That's a heck of a party. Yeah. <laughs> then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas, even Barney, was led astray by their hypocrisy. 
But when I saw that they were when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, Hey, Peter, if you who were a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? So this is peer pressure 101. That's what happens here. Yeah. So in verses 11 through 13, Peter... Uh, so it appears that Peter was was dining and and even fellowshipping with people from the Gentile who are the Gentiles. So he was fellowshipping with them. Mm-hmm. Everything was kosher until some of the folks from from the from the Jewish church came by, and he thought to himself, "Oh, they're going to see me with these other folks. So I better I better mm-hmm. leave the company here and go talk Speaking to them." The and then so he just almost like like he act, pretended like he didn't know the Gentiles any longer, even though he'd been fellowshipping with them. And Barnabas, as as mighty a man of God as Barnabas was, as mighty a man as Peter was as well, Barnabas was even led astray because he started fellowshipping more with with the, the Judeans more so than the Gentiles. But you know Titus and you know Timothy others who were thinking like, well, what's up with this? You know what's going on here? We even seen the Book of Acts. There's a there's a distinction between the Grecians and the Hellenists. Mm-hmm. I mean the 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 Hebraic Hebraic Church and the the uh, Grecian Church uh, over the administration of certain things in the church about the widows being cared for and you know and the poor. But so Paul is saying, right. told him to his face that you know you're not doing right here. And so he calls them out. And so we see the nature of Paul's rebuke. Now we read verses 14 and 15. Let's go back and read verses 14 through 18. We read 14 and 15, uh, 14 a while ago. Let's go back and read 14 through 18. Yep. Sure. So uh, let's see here. Verse 14. But when, when I saw that they deviated from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew, like a Gentile, and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because the works of the law because of the works of the law no human being will be justified but if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ is Christ then a promoter of sin absolutely not hey i heard one preacher tell me one time he says when you see that absolutely not by paul it's almost like the same connotation as don't be stupid <laughs> come on and it goes on 18 it says if i rebuild if i rebuild those things that i tore down i show myself to be a lawbreaker Oof. Mm. so paul going back paul is recognizing that the gospel is hanging in the balance uh, and it really was because mm. were they going to make the gospel message only about a certain group or were they going to make it global? By the way, let's just call it what it is. This was the same problem that even God himself had with the early nation of Israel, with the, with the Hebrews, because the goal was to use Abraham and his seed, his descendants, as... Um, as, as really a beacon to the world, uh, a lighthouse to the world, telling the world that, that he is God and none of these fa- false idols that people worship is. In fact, it even had time, ties to the demonic realm, uh, so to speak. So he realized the gospel's hanging in the balance. So Paul, I don't know that, I don't think Paul wanted to do this, but Paul had to do it. He felt compelled to do it, to, to say, listen, 
what 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 are you going to live by? Are you going to live by fear and refuse to fellowship with Gentiles and make them live like a Jew when when you yourself are not living like a Jew? Uh, you're, you're filled with the grace of Christ. Um, and he says, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So he's asking Peter, why are you turning back to the law to save you when it's Christ and through Christ that a person is saved? Um, but if we ourselves are found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? And the word is, I think it's even a double negative in the Greek text, absolutely not, most assuredly not. Um, so he again here says, if I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. So Paul has tore down, he's torn down these things that, that he had previously built to establish a new foundation in Christ. So he's saying that, is he going to tear down this new foundation to rebuild on the old foundation that seems to be what Peter and the crew were doing uh, by this by showing favoritism to one group over the other. And by the way, that's why we as Christians need to realize racism and things of that nature in Christianity are like oil and water. They are incompatible because when you get to heaven, you're going to see people from every tribe, nation, tongue, skin tone, and what have you. It's not going to be ethnocentric according to the way we look and speak and talk. You're going to see Arabs, Jews, people from China, people from Japan. You're going to see people from the United States, people from Mexico, people from Canada, people from England, people from Germany, people from France, people from all parts of Africa, all parts of South America, and so on and so forth. Australia, New Zealand, anywhere else I may have missed, all throughout the Middle East, anywhere else I may have missed, you're going to see people in heaven worshiping the same God, the same Christ, filled with the same spirit, part of the same church. So if you have racist tendencies, you may as well throw it out the window because when you get to heaven, you're going to yep. see a lot of different people. Just put yep. it that way. Yeah, it's all the... At the base of the cross, we're all equal. That's the thing. It's, Amen. Bring them to the cross. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say is, you know, this had to have been hard for Paul because Paul knows where where Peter started out with because he actually, Peter actually preached and and was part of the first conversion of, of some of the Gentiles. I mean, he saw a, in a vision a sheet come down with with all types of food or all types of animals being in it and and god telling him go peter you know and 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 he goes to cornelius's house which you know and so he's he's already had these experiences he was bold enough to do that and bold enough to step out and do what god had told him there but now he's pulling back it, it's the peer pressure it's the pressure of well i don't want to i don't want to offend these people but because these people are you know, easy to offend or, or have been offended in the past, that's that's not that big a deal. I don't want to offend, you know, the people with power. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It really is. And you're right. Peter did have that vision. And and at Pentecost, when the Spirit came down upon the church, mm-hmm. there were yeah. people there yeah. from every tribe and tongue. Uh, they're in the same area, filled with the same Spirit, Peter certainly knew that, and that's not to—that's not to pick mm. on Peter, you know, because Peter, he—he he continued, he continued with Christ up to the very end. In fact, there are very good reasons for believing that Peter and Paul died together in the same in the same location in Rome. Paul, where he was mm. a Roman citizen, he was beheaded. Peter was likely crucified upside down because not being a citizen. Uh, because he didn't want to be crucified yeah. in the same manner that Jesus was, he didn't feel worthy enough to be crucified in the same yeah. manner. So we we're not picking on Peter. Peter is mm-hmm. he right. he was a faithful man to the end. We all have problems. We all have blind spots. Paul called 
Peter right. out on a blind spot that he had at this particular time. So we see the contents of Peter's of Paul's rebuke in verses 14 through 18. Let's take a look at the conclusion of the matter in verses 19 through 21. Sure. So in 19 it says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave me himself, gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Mm. Now, Paul's going to talk a little bit more about the law of God and justification through faith in chapter 3. Mm. Well, we got some deep stuff coming ahead uh, with our next chapter. But but let's, let's take a look at these things here again. He says in verse 19, as you just read, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. Now, does that mean the law has no purpose? Absolutely not. The law does have a purpose, but he recognizes that he can't be saved by the law. It's by the grace of Christ. So he lives for God through Christ. And he says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. The flesh has been crucified with Christ. Our desires have been crucified with Christ. And so to the point that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That we're about God's will, Christ's will, Christ's purpose. As Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Work through our lives. May your will be enacted through the things we do and say. And he goes on to say, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's directed and focused upon the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I heard someone, I read a post, I decided not to comment because I didn't need extra drama in my life, <laughs> but we got a podcast, so I'll Cause mention it now. Because social media is where we, where we put on all the fights, right? <laughs> Anymore, it seems like that. But one person said something about, the, something about something to the effect that um, we talk too much about the love of God. Mm-hmm. I hear people say that all the time, but it really disturbs me because if it weren't for the love of God, there would be no salvation. The yeah. love of God is what caused Jesus to come and be born in a manger among stinky animals. It was the love of God that Jesus came and lived a righteous life and performed miracles. It was the love of God that put Jesus on the cross, and it was the love of God that brought him back from the dead. It was the love of God that ascended him to the right hand of the Father, and it's the love of God that he, by the love of God, that he intercedes for us to give us a place in heaven. It's the love of God that instills the Spirit of God in our lives. It's by the love of God that he, that he has a purpose for our lives, a calling for our lives, and it's by the love of God that he grants us a place in heaven and gives us an eternity with him. So how in the world can we focus too much on the love of God? The gospel is rooted in the love of God. <laughs> so I don't understand that thinking. I really don't. Um, but he says this by the love of God, that, and he gave himself for me. And he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, he's saying, if you can be saved for, by your works, if you can be saved by your good works, if you can be saved by the law of God, then Jesus had no reason to die on a cross. And that means that his death was That's in vain. Right. That's a powerful statement. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and that goes to that goes also to you know think about that when we listen to um, new age people or people trying to uh, corrupt the gospel by by having this um, crossless gospel, this non atonement, uh, non atoning um, gospel, so to speak. Um, 
what did what did Christ die for then? He just got himself killed just for no reason. Is that is that what it is? You know, um, it, that's part of really one of the biggest things that really bothers me about some of these. You could say religions, but they're false religions that come up that really try to corrupt this idea, you know. Um, by doing all these works, we we get a chance to be able to then get closer to heaven and and so on and so forth. It's nothing nothing different. Every single religion is nothing different than the Tower of Babel. It, it's just it's just their work to God. They're they're working get to the get to God. Um, we get high enough, big enough, bad enough, strong enough. Pretty soon we can be God. And my mind goes to. Aladdin, <laughs> the the movie Aladdin, and where the genie gets there, and he's like, you know, I am all this power, and I'm all this might, and then all of a sudden the the bottle comes out, and it's itty bitty little big quarters, you know, it, it's like that's what happens to us. We 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 it, when we forget the grace of God. We we lose all of what God has to give to us. Well, C Curtis, I think you hit on something very, very powerful with with your analogy of Aladdin. You said that the guy said, "I have huh? the power. I have the authority. I have the ability." And I think that's the big right. difference because if you mm. have, if we have to depend on the work of God, that means that we are indebted to God. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> and there again, that strikes at the pride of a person. Oh, we don't want to owe anyone, anyone anything. It's uh, like, the, was it Charlie Daniels? Isn't he the one that had the song? If I can't, uh, if I can't uh, do it on my own, um, I'll have that song go. Uh, I ain't asking nobody for nothing if I can't do it on my own. I think that's the way it goes. Uh, so, I mean, we have that mentality sometimes. We want to do it on our own. We want to yep. do it by ourselves. But when it comes to salvation, we depend on God. That means we've got to trust God. That means we're dependent yeah. on God. But quite honestly, we already are. We're dependent on God for every yep. breath, every beat of our heart. We're dependent on God for our very existence. If it weren't for God there wouldn't be anything that's right it's it kind of goes to two different things one to have the grit and the perseverance to be able to do it on your own physically like to do work to do things uh you know physical things around your home or your or your work or or to helping people out or even doing sports you know um to have that grit to be able to say, resolve, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to do it. That's different than when Scripture tells us that every knee will bow, every knee will bend. That's different. That's a different, that's a different level. Mm -hmm. um, there, there comes a time when you need to realize, I can't do this on my own. This, this has to be where I understand the grace of God is is overwhelming me and i need to bend the knee to him well and that's one and, and i'll close with this with this last statement there is there's a phrase going along in the christian circles that, that says that god won't give you more than you can handle i don't think that's true <laughs> i agree i i agree uh, with you no because that there again that places the emphasis on what we can handle God right. will give us more than we can handle so that we will depend on Him. Uh, you may right. be overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Trust in God. He's not asking you to bear it alone. You were never intended to bear it alone. That's right. you got to depend on God. So I like your mm -hmm. reaction, Curtis, and I agree with you. I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's a biblical Sorry. comment. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to react so passionately, but that's funny because it's like, oh no, oh no, he stacks everything on you. So if you, it's like, well, you want it? Here you go. 
I mean, pretty soon you'll but you'll be crushed under the weight of that. And in scripture even tells us we will be crushed under that weight. Yeah. But it's all a process to help it's all a process not only to to help us to trust in him, but it's also a process mm. to mold us into the people he desires us to be. And so there, you know, like there you go. grapes have to be squeezed to get wine, olives have to be crushed to get oil. Carbon has to be heated mm. and pressed to become diamonds. And so likewise, he's making a masterpiece out of our lives. Yeah. That's why we never, ever, ever pray for patience. Ever. If 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 you have prayed for wisdom, then you'll know not to pray for patience. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, well, friends, we have we thank you for joining us tonight on the podcast for the Cowboy Apologist, Curtis Evelo. This is Dr. Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, and we'll, we'll uh, see you the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Catch us next week as we'll be talking about the law and the promise of God uh, in Galatians chapter. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. This program is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. If you enjoyed this podcast, then be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review. Also tell a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas.